Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is Aaron Ng and I'm a host for this episode. In each episode of the Parent Ed Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life, and much, much more. We'll be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their experience and practical ideas. We hope that you'll keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as parents. For better or for worse, till death do us part. We are mostly familiar with these words. When we get married, we expect to grow old together and maybe even get to raise our grandchildren together or enjoy our golden years picking up new hobbies after a long life of hard work. But what happens when death parts us earlier than expected? Before the children are grown up? Or before you had the opportunity to learn all that you wanted to learn and say all that you wanted to say to each other? How do you deal with the what could have beens? Today in this episode of the Paranet Podcast, we have Joan Sui, the founder, director and grief coach of Whispering Hope Singapore. She has a unique perspective on grief recovery, having lost her husband Henry to cancer when she was 35 and left to parent their two young sons on her own. She co-founded a voluntary welfare organization in Singapore that focused on supporting the bereaved and served on the management board for 20 years. Besides being a practicing counselor, she's a certified life coach and grief recovery specialist. She founded Whispering Hope Singapore in 2017 with the aim of helping Singaporeans learn to recover from grief and bounce back from life's losses. Welcome, Joan, to the Parent Ad Podcast. Thank you, Aaron. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Could you share with our listeners more about yourself, about your marriage to Henry and your children? I met Singh when I was 15. We were from different uh, secondary schools, but we had mutual friends that were posted to his secondary school. So we met because of an after-school youth organization. So we met as friends and the whole group actually would hang out, you know, at the nearby Makan Centre and usually will be around ice kacang and, uh, you know, wonton mee and uh, his favourite duck rice. So that's how I remember him. And then one day, he just stopped me out because his older brother gave him a business card and appointed him sales manager international. And he really freaked out because it meant that he's supposed to go and meet all these Angmo clients, you know, and he's so nervous. He panicked because they are Teochew family and they only ate with chopsticks. So he didn't even know how to use the knife and fork. And so he had a crash course with me. So that's how, in a way, uh, our friendship grew. And then uh, later on, my father actually was posted to the US. So I went with my father and my mom. And during that time, when I was there for a six-month period, uh, Seng wrote to me, so it was those days, no WhatsApp and no internet. Uh. So it was the slow, slow mail. So he actually wrote me letters and I just really noticed him that, you know, though his English was really bad and it was a lot of effort he put in, I just saw, you know, that humility and that 
determination. So actually, he won me over. Lah. Let's just say that it was a, like a pen pal, <laughs> you know, courtship. And so when I came back after six months at the airport, he was with some friends and everybody knew already that, you know, he had fallen in love with me. And so that's how. And then we got engaged. And then in uh, 82, we got married. And after we got married, we were posted in Hong Kong for about 10 years. Yeah. And how old were your children then? So they were born in Hong Kong. And unfortunately, while we were in Hong Kong, Henry contracted cancer. He had first a cancer tumor in his stomach. And that was in November of 92. And then there was a cancer recurrence in uh, 94 of March. After that, we came home because it was palliative and it was terminal because the cancer was uh, at the liver duct and you can't, you can't operate, you can't cut off the liver duct. Uh, and so we were, we were told to come back. And so we came back to Singapore, June of 94, and then Henry died at uh, National University Hospital, July of 94. So when Henry died, my two sons were just six and eight years old. It was a terrible loss. Yeah. How old are your children now? And, and what, what are some things that you all enjoy doing together? So my, my sons are grown men at 33 and 35. And they still live with me. We enjoy good food and holidays with family and close friends. I think something memorable that I will always uh, treasure would be our first time threesome road trip of 20 days that we were in, in the UK. We travelled through London, Manchester, Edinburgh and Wales and we were sharing every meal together for 20 days. It was epic. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Before we jump to the topic about helping a grieving spouse, maybe you can share with us from a more generic angle, right? Like hmm. you went through grief. Um, you yes. experience grief and I think most of us experience grief in some way or another but what yeah. is grief? How does it differ from sadness and perhaps who is a griever? Grief is you know a very normal and natural reaction to any kind of loss and actually normally when people talk about grief they only immediately think about death but actually it's not like you can grieve over a divorce. You can grieve over a terminal diagnosis like cancer. You can grieve over an end of relationship, a BGR relationship. Uh, you can even grieve over the loss of a pet. Like family pet loss can really, really affect the whole family and not just the child or, or it can even be a mother because it's a family dog, right? And so we can uh, suffer loss even like we can grieve over retrenchment like right now with the pandemic, right? We can grieve over financial losses. So actually, grief is a very normal and natural reaction to any kind of loss. And so just now, I gave you examples. It's because there are more than 40 types of losses that we will encounter in our lifetime. So starting from childhood, for example, whoever had the experience of a broken favourite toy, right? Or you had to move from school to uh, school or move home. Even primary school, leaving your primary school, I think for some, it was a very sad thing because you had six years and you're from a girl's school and suddenly you have to go to a co-ed school. It's like, oh my goodness, that's quite an experience also for some teenagers. It can be a very scary experience. So that's also loss, right? So I just mentioned their divorce, relationship breakup. How about even like an emptiness syndrome, right? So we've got an aging population now and then people live away, people travel and work. So sometimes you've got very lonely uh, older people, right? They're on their own because, you know, their, their children are no longer with them. So these are really a lot of losses. Um, and so 
grief is our reaction to what we have lost because there is a change of our pattern of life. We grieve because life is no longer normal. We grieve because life is no more the same as we used to know. For example, for myself, having lost my husband, I actually lost a soulmate. And then we lost our home in Hong Kong. Like my boys, multiple losses. We lost our home in Hong Kong. They lost their school. They lost their school friends. We lost our church that we enjoy in Hong Kong. And we lost all our favorite places that we used to go and all our favorite experiences. So even though it was the death of my husband, but for my sons, it was the loss of daddy. But with the loss of daddy was all these other things that their life totally changed. And I think what's so difficult for them is even coming back to adjust to a whole new education system. They were in international school before and now they are in the Singapore system that is like totally different. It's like a different animal altogether. So, wow, my, my boys really suffered from the multiple losses. I hear mm. you that, you know, that grief is not just a loss of a loved one through death. It could be all these things. Like perhaps some people are grieving that they can't travel this year. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. And, and in, in, in that sense, what are some common experiences of a griever? Why do some people stay in their grief longer than others? I think like right now, a common grief experience for us is this pandemic. And so you can also look around. People react differently. Some of us who are more emotional resilient and psychologically resilient, we can just, you know, go through it. But some people are really, really frightened that the isolation really draws them into a corner and they freeze up. So we react because we are different. And so we may react differently to all these common experiences in losses. So some of the emotions that we may go through may be sadness, even anger, you know, could be an emotion at loss. Disappointment, it could be even disappointment with God, for example. If it's, it's a young family and suddenly, you know, the 16-year-old is tracted cancer and people will just question, why is this happening? You know, my son is only 16 years old, right? So there'll be anger, there'll be disappointment with God. Uh, there'll be sadness and there might be even be a, a sense of insecurity. It's like when uh, a young person, like a young wife, if she's got a young baby and her husband dies, then she's also having to face insecurity because now it's like, for example, she's a stay-at-home mom because they agreed for the first year, for example, for the first two years of the baby's childhood, they agreed that she should stay home and suddenly her husband's died. So she's without a job now and she's got a new baby and she's going to go out to work. So it's a lot of fear and insecurity as well. So these are all normal responses that people can have, uh, you know, when they face a loss. So it really depends on the <clears throat> severity of the loss. And it also depends on social support system, right? For myself, I was very fortunate because I have got in-laws that really care for me and my sons. I've got family members that I'm very close with. But in my 20 years in the widow work that I was doing, there were many, many widows that were really left all alone. Because why? When they got married, they also cut off all other relationships. They just became very siloed in their relationship. So when their husband died, suddenly they realised that they don't have any more close friends. Or... In another situation where, in the first place, both sides are not close to their own family members. Can you imagine the woman is not close to her side of family and the man is not close to his side of family. So when he dies, the children really have nobody, you know, that they can look to as uncles or aunties. So I think uh, it depends on the social support system. If it's not strong, then there's a likelihood that the bereaved person, whether it's out of a divorce 
or out of a death or out of a sickness, or they may feel very lonely. And that loneliness, if it drags on, can even go down to depression. So it really depends on the severity of the loss. It depends, again, on the social support. And it depends also on the psychological and emotional resilience of each griever. And we are all different, right? So we will grieve differently. Yeah, I, I hear that, you know, as person who's grieving, it's very important that I'm not disconnected from the community or the support that is yeah. around me. But as someone who's grieving, then what are some things I should be doing or I should not be doing? I think as a griever, what's so important is that you be open, as a griever, be open to look for one or two good friends that you can trust, that you already have some good relationship with. So if you have already cut off ties with a lot of other friends, are there colleagues? Are there neighbours? Are there people in your community? Are there friends in... Now we have social groups because of Facebook. You may have chat groups and all that. Do you have people that you can, you know, call on to and say, I really need someone to listen to. I need some company today. Whether the griever can open themselves up to receive help. Actually, we... In Singapore, I would say generally, we do have a very healthy community spirit across races. And so... I think we need to be comfortable to be able to tap on our community resources for help. So how does grief then affect maybe perhaps our relationships, especially with our children and family members? Because if we are isolating ourselves from the ones closest to us, we may not know how to speak to them. How did grief affect the way you related or parented your sons? I try to normalize it for my sons. So what I do is, um, I involve them in family activities with other families. I start at the school, so I would get to know the school moms. And then I arrange play dates for my sons. And then like uh, during the school holidays, I will ask a few months whether I can have a couple of the boys come over to our home and maybe the children can have swimming together and things like that. So it takes effort. Uh, I also sign my boys up because I have boys, right? So I sign them up for like soccer school. I sign them up for like uh, this uniform group called Royal Rangers. And then because we belong to a church also, so I also sign them up for drama workshop where they meet other uh, children and out of the community even within the church I got close to some of the parents and then together again arrange you know for us to go makan together I also have a close group of friends who knew me and my husband very well so these are my group of teenage friends that we grew up together so these are the friends that I actually go on holidays together so of course I pay myself right but we go together as a group and I never feel that, oh, just because I'm a widow, I cannot travel with other people that have a husband and a wife. I think it's very normal that other families can be complete as a father and a mother and the children. But that doesn't mean that I am an incomplete family. I also have to happen that I'm, I'm a single parent home, but I'm still a family. So I don't want to hold on to that stigma. People may give me the stigma, but I don't want to hold on to it. No, I actually reject it. And I open up myself to be able to engage with other people for my own sake and also for the sake of my children. If I don't do it, then how? I better do it, right? For myself and for my children. Because yeah, it, I, should not let, I should not let death or widowhood define me. And I should not let fatherless define my children. 
we still have a life that we can live. Yeah, it's because of your bonus and you set up the organizations to support other widows. And yes. and I'm, I'm glad for you to say that, you know, the stigma shouldn't be defining who you are as a person. Yes. Um, many of us try to empathize and support those who are grieving, but our words and actions that we use sometimes do more harm than good. And, yeah. you know, it sounds like there are many things to learn about helping grievers. And I'm glad yeah. that we're having this conversation today. If I'm a friend of a griever, what should I do and what should I not do? Well, I think generally, other people are not so comfortable around grievers because they often don't know what to say and do. And sometimes, even as well-intentioned as you know, we may be, we may come up with uh, discomforting statements. For example, ah, don't worry, la, don't be sad. La. She's in a better place or he's in a better place. No. Or we say things like, hey, be strong. Ah. You know, God, be strong for the children and for other people. Or if somebody had a miscarriage and then if they are still a young couple, then say, Aya, it's okay, la, you're still young, you, you can have other children. Ma. <laughs> or somebody went through a divorce and, and they say, Aya, so young and attractive, you can be married. So these things are not helpful at all, you know. Actually, they sting, you know, they really sting. Even if you tell somebody who has lost, let's say, a grand old lady, like a grandmother in her 80s and a lost a father or lost a mother in 80s. And then you say, oh, she already lived a long life. So you already had her for a long time. It is not comforting at all. So I think we really need to learn to empathize when people have losses in life. I think we need to empathize by identifying with them and say that I'm so sorry for your loss. Is there something that I can do to help you? Or this must be a very lonely time for you. You're so young and your husband is no longer here. Is there something that I can offer to you? You know, uh, What help do you need? So you just, uh, you just say, I'm so sorry for your loss. I think that's very important. Let's say somebody had a cancer diagnosis, for example. You can also say that, I can't imagine. I can't imagine how scary it must be for you. Not knowing what's going to be like or undergoing chemo. It must be quite a fearful journey for you. So you empathize with them. I think that's what's helpful. And the words, I can't imagine, you can't go wrong, right? You can say, I can't imagine how shocking this is. I can't imagine how overwhelming this whole situation is. I can't imagine how traumatic this sudden loss has been with both your parents, you know, in hospital because of COVID. It must be such a traumatic time for you. So we can empathize by saying things like that. And then after we empathize, then we need to ask them, you know, how are you feeling? I think we don't, don't need to be afraid to ask, how are you feeling? And then when they share with you, yeah, yeah, I read that in grief, it is also normal to have this kind of feelings. You know, we can feel angry. We can feel disappointed. We can feel so sad. We can even feel very mad, mad about the situation. We can feel mad. And these are very common responses to grief and loss. So in other words, we can try and validate, validate how the person is feeling and that all their emotions are not wrong. All their emotions are actually normal. It's like, for example, I ask you, is it not normal if a parent lost a child at 16 years old? Is it not normal for this parent to be upset and angry? It's normal, right? Is it not normal then for a man who is retrenched after 10 years to feel despondent and lost? It will be normal, right? And so the grieving process is normal. And so we must allow people permission to grieve. And that's what I would say. Allow them permission to grieve. Don't say things like, Aya, don't worry, like, time will heal, you get better. Actually, time is a standstill, you know. Right? For example, if you got cut 
and you had a bad bicycle fall and you got cut and it's bleeding, do you just stay there and say, oh, don't worry, time will heal? We don't, right? What do we do? We go in, wash it, and then use some antiseptic, and then we apply some healing balm, and then we plaster it, right? But how is it when people have grief and have broken heart, we don't allow them to heal? We say time will heal. No, we have to do something, right? So the person will have to talk about it, and then we, the caregivers around the bereaved, we need to listen with heart and compassion, let them express. And they may be repeating themselves. Because why? The memories are there. They need to talk about it. They need to talk and let go. They need to talk and let go. So as a friend, you really need to be patient. In the psychology books, they normally talk about for any loss, and especially significant loss, whether it's a divorce or a death, the grieving period could range from between 12 months to two years. The grieving period. Which means that the person will miss the ex or miss the father or miss the mother or miss the son or miss because of retrenchment, miss going to the office, miss being in a prominent position, miss the identity that they used to hold because they were previously very successful and now they end up being a driver because why cannot find any job. People struggle with identity. People struggle with it. And so I think we really need to give time for people to be able to express their grief emotions and for them to recover. At your recent sh- session with the staff of uh, Focus on the Family, you shared that people are often quick to seek help when we are injured physically, but we are not so responsive to seek our healing right, for emotional hurts. So yeah. could you share with us how can we facilitate this healing? And if we ourselves are grieving, how can we help ourselves? I think first of all, we need to acknowledge the pain. Yeah. When we give ourselves permission to grieve, we acknowledge the pain. We say that, you know, I really am feeling so horrible because this happened. For example, if it's a loss of a job, I feel such a sense of failure. I feel like I'm not good enough. Why must it got to be me? So you need to give yourself, you know, that permission to express, to accept what has happened and to express it. And then after expressing it, I think we also need to adapt to the change situation. For example, uh, now nothing is normal anymore, right? I need to go to some new places. I need to make some new decisions. I need to get used to doing certain things without my husband. Say, say for example, in Singapore, uh, most parents share the load of taking the children to school. And let's just say that daddy has died. And so the new routine starts in that. And maybe mommy didn't used to learn how to drive. So mommy may have to go and take some driving like lessons, you know, or then the children have to get used to taking public transport or getting on the school bus. So these are all changes that the whole family has to adapt to. And so we need to give ourselves time to transit uh, with the new changes. So we talk about accepting what has happened, giving ourselves permission to grieve, and then adapting to the changes, right? And then the fourth thing will be seeking help. If we need to seek counselling, let's go and seek counselling. If we need to talk to the teachers about 
some issues that we are struggling with the children, if we need to seek some uh, parental counselling, let's do it. Uh, if we need to even seek financial counselling, let's do it. With losses, you know, whether it is a father that died or a mother that died or a father that divorced or a mother that divorced, the financial situation changes, you know, and sometimes it's very scary not to know what you have or not to know what to do with what you have or not knowing what is it that I can do or cannot do. And so if we need to seek some professional resources, then let's not fight shy of it. Actually, we are very blessed in Singapore. I realise that there are also some listeners from other countries, right? So I don't know what you have in your other countries. But in Singapore, we have uh, very established social services that, that, that we can go to, you know, to find out what we can do about different areas that we need to have some consultation with. And so this is where we can uh, go and seek help and not be shy to seek help. I think we need to break through the, the shyness because, you know, if we don't ask for help, then the person that suffers more is ourselves. We're going to end up being stuck in the mud. To get unstuck, then we have to think of taking the first step, a small step towards our own recovery, a small step towards seeking help so that we can recover. It could be even reading books. It could be even going Googling. It could be even like now, there are a lot of support groups of all sorts on the net. So we need to check out and resource, which is a safe group to join and start learning from other people or reading up, right? But don't get stuck all by yourself. I feel that people do want to help us, but the thing is that people don't know what we need. A lot of times people, they are ready to help, but they don't know what we need. And they also don't know whether we are ready for the help or not. So they want to give us some space. They don't want to sort of intrude. So we need to give the signal to the people that, hey, yeah, I'm ready. Yes, please come. Yes, you know, I would appreciate some help. Because if we don't say it, sometimes they also stand at the doorway, right? They're waiting for us to open the door. So I think it takes two hands, right? It takes us opening ourselves up and receiving, being receiving to, to being able to receive help from other people and not to be embarrassed about that. Yeah, Joni has been uh, enriching a uh, conversation so far, but unfortunately, time has caught up with us. Uh, okay. you know, as we end today, um, do you have a word uh, of encouragement for our listeners perhaps who are grieving right now? I want to say that there is recovery and there's hope at the end of the tunnel. I was 35 when my husband died and my children were only 6 and 8 years old. But I have found new life. I have found new meaning. Uh, and I have found a host of very helpful people around me that I could tap. So I want to say, don't stay stuck. Open up yourself and be willing. Be willing to extend, to reach for somebody's hand because people do care about us. Thank you, Joan, for being with us today. Um, you know, losses are inevitable and part of our life's journey but we can definitely find ways to deal with the emotions when they come both for ourselves and for the people whom we care about. If you are experiencing grief and you need to process your emotions with someone, do contact Joan and the team at Whispering Heart. We have included their contact details in our show notes. Our team at Focus on the Family is also here to listen and journey with you and your family. You can find more details online at www.family.org.sg slash counselling. If you want to be informed of the latest resources from Focus on the Family, follow us on Facebook at focusonthefamily.sg or on Instagram at thrivingfamilysg. Thank you for tuning in and until next time, have a great week with your family. Music